0: Today's reading is from Psalms 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm Pastor Tim. If we haven't met, welcome to Alleluia. Uh, If you're visiting, come say hi to me after the service. I'd love to uh, meet you and say hello. We're finishing up, uh, if you haven't been with us the last couple weekends, a a three-part series, uh, and the title you see on the screen, Three Steps to Better Relationships. And as we've mentioned, this is not a chronological, step one will lead you to step two, and then step two will lead you to step three, but three steps that if you follow on their own, will better your relationships. Pastor Mark launched the series a couple weekends ago talking about moving from being selfish to selfless. And our wiring is to be selfish. Uh, from the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, we wanted to be like God. We wanted to taste the, the forbidden fruit. We wanted to uh, be self. It's in our wiring. And, and he encouraged us to be more like Christ is to deny ourselves and be selfless. One great example would be in marriage when a spouse is looking after the needs of the other spouse first, being selfless, and in turn that spouse is looking after the needs of the other spouse being selfless, together they are meeting each other's needs in that relationship and that selfless nature works very well. Last weekend, Pastor Tammy ta- talked about a very practical thing, and it's something we all wrestle with, and it's not just kids, it's adults too. We're all guilty. Uh, limiting our screen time. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we're in a culture now where we brag about binge watching shows. Oh, I knocked off an entire season of that whole show uh, in a two, day, two and a half days. And I'm like, you loser? Really? You did that? It's like some Medal of Honor now, you know, or, you know, oh, I play, I play Fortnite for seven hours a day. You do? Seven hours? And that's cool? And she encouraged us to get a to look up. It's not bad. Technology's not bad. Technology's great. I love technology. I love my phone. I love my screen. I'll be watching a pretty big one in about at noon today, and uh, I'm excited for that. And it's not a horrible thing, but to limit it. And when screen time starts to affect negatively our relationships, we have to reevaluate, regroup, rethink. And how we limit our screen time. Jesus came along and saw Nicodemus. looking, And he looked up. I mean if we're always looking down. We don't see the people around us. Spouses can sit for two hours in the family room. Looking down at their phones. And not even talking. And so it was a great message. That she encouraged us to limit our screen time. And if you missed it. You can always go on our website. And go to our media link. And listen to uh, the sermons. That you want to hear. Well, this week we're going to talk about really just, if we just really get right down to it, is prioritizing relationships. Prioritizing our friendships, prioritizing our relationships. When you think of friends, I bet this might come to mind. of you watched that for 10 seasons or at least one? How many of you seen one episode? All right, friends. I mean, look around. Most of us watch that show, at least for a while, uh, if we didn't make it all all the way through. And what was so engaging about it? Well, I mean, it's not a bad recipe to put six uh, good-looking people together with great writing. I mean, that kind of works, right? Um, But is your recipe for better friendships getting five of your closest friends and dancing around a fountain together? I mean, is that... I love the one move David Schwimmer does where he goes. Like that. I don't know why that one. It's just my favorite one. Does anyone know which one I'm talking about? Am I talking to myself right now? <laughs> we think of friends, we think of things like that, images, our friendships. What is your recipe for bettering your relationships? It's probably not dancing around a fountain with five people that you call your friends. There's an old recipe that is for rabbit stew. And literally the first step in the recipe is first catch the rabbit. That makes you think, doesn't it? When it comes to bettering our relationships, what's the first step of that recipe? What's the most important thing to keep in mind? Is it to get important people around us and that will just make our friendships, our relationships better, stronger, deeper? Or is there something else? When I think and when you think of our closest relationships, you might start with a sibling. I've been looking up to this guy since I can remember being alive. It's My brother Mike. There he is with his patrol school patrol, belt on. And he's looking after me. He's still looking after me. And uh, I was his best man. He's my best man. You might have a sibling you're extremely close to. I have three college roommates that I would literally take a bullet for. I mean, I literally would take a bullet for these three guys. We met, we were 18, and we've been doing life together. This is called... 50-year-olds trying to take a selfie. That's what this is called. And you see Bob there, who's the president of a college, uh, and he's like kind of looking painfully like, am I doing this right? I mean, that's kind of funny. But in that picture represents four guys who are extremely close. And you might think of some friendships in your life that are that intimate and that deep. We live in three different states and four different cities, and yet we get together and make it a priority at least once a year to see each other. We've grown up together since college. We've, we've, we've gone through weddings and kids and everything that comes along with that. What a blessing. Those of you who know my long-suffering wife of 24 years of marriage, Kathy, know the joy and the, and the wonder of marriage, Uh, riding the ups and downs together of life. There's something extremely profound about a marriage where spouses are looking out for one another. And uh, as you know, if you know Kathy, I've been been definitely blessed. And as I hear all the time, I outkicked my coverage, and yes, I know that. What comes to mind when I ask you the question, who's my best friend? Who is my best friend? Is it a sibling? Is it college roommates? Is it a spouse? Who's my best friend? What's the first step? What is priority? What is the most important thing to think about when we think about answering that question? Because I'm going to suggest for a moment this morning and the next few minutes with you that there's a step we need to take that David took in the book of Psalms when he penned a relationship that he has with someone. And it was priority number one for him. It was his first step in bettering any relationships he had around him. And it's the 23rd Psalm. And I'd like to turn there with you for the next few moments and think about this intimate relationship that David, King David of the Old Testament, Had with someone, and he wrote about it. And that someone is the Lord. And I want to suggest this morning, as we're here today, that when we prioritize, when we make step number one our relationship with the Lord, then every one of those other relationships around us are better. They're deeper, they're richer. Because when we are grounded in that intimacy, that intimate relationship with our Creator, that can't help but influence the relationships around us. So if you'd be so kind, let's go to Psalm 23 in the Old Testament, verse number 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Look at the screen with me. One of the things I like to do sometimes in Bible study is take a verse and then highlight just one word at a time in the verse. It's a very powerful thing to do because it makes you think about the words we're reading. We don't just gloss over a verse real quick. And so to say, the Lord is my shepherd, let's work with that. Now let's highlight Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the creator of the universe. Not my spouse, not my best friend, not my pet, not Oprah, not the latest celebrity or athlete, not a politician. They're not my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, the creator, God. Now let's go to my The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now we're getting personal. It's not your shepherd. It's not their shepherd. It's my shepherd. My. The Lord is my shepherd. Mine. I'm claiming that. I'm his child. I'm his creation. I want to live in that context. It's personal, it's relational now shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. How many of you have hung out with a shepherd the last month? Okay. Wow. Um, That's impressive. We only had one for the whole weekend, but that's that's still presenting the point. It's just not something we talk about or deal with in our culture. It's not like, hey, where are you going? Oh, honey, I'm going to go hang out with the shepherds for a while. I'll be back later. But shepherd, we know from history and scripture, is a farmer or a hired hand who took care of sheep. And their whole job was to care for the flock. And care for them they did, whether they were their sheep or whether they were a hired hand. Their one and only job was to care for them, feed them, make sure they had enough to drink, make sure none of them got lost, make sure if any one of them were hurt, they would nurse them back to health if they could. The shepherd cared for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, highlighting shepherd, The one who looks after me. The one who provides for me. The one who takes care of me. The one who loves me. The one who's going to protect me. The Lord is my shepherd. And I lack nothing. The original, uh, some of the King James or Revised Standard Version is I I shall not want. Or a great translation in the contemporary English version is I have everything I need. I really like that one. Because if indeed the Lord is your shepherd, the Lord who went to a cross for you, the Lord who forgives your sins, the Lord who promises you eternal life in heaven for all eternity, the Lord who provides for us, if he's truly your shepherd, you got everything you need. Yes, there's struggles. Yes, there's trials. Yes, there's challenges in life. But if that verse is true for you, if that is step one in your relationship life, if you, like David, say, I'm going to name and claim that. The Lord is my shepherd. I got everything I need. And that's step one in bettering all of our relationships. If you are married, and the Lord is your shepherd, that influences how you treat your spouse. How you speak to your spouse. How you care for your spouse. How you protect your spouse. How you build them up. If the Lord is your shepherd, you're a true friend. You look out for their needs. You're selfless. If the Lord is your shepherd, kids, you speak to your parents in a different way, in a respectful way, in a way that honors them. Parents, it influences how we raise our children, the things we let them do and don't do. The things we give into in culture and don't give into in culture. Because the Lord is my shepherd. When this is square one, it influences every other relationship in your life and mine. I did something this week with the verses of Psalm 23. I want to walk down them with you. And as we remember, this is King David back in the Old Testament. Generations before Jesus came and walked the earth. Jesus echoes every verse and things he said in the Gospels. So I want to connect those dots with you. Psalm 23 and Jesus. The first one we've covered, my shepherd. And Jesus says in John's Gospel, I am the good what? Shepherd. Jesus says, you know, the, when David said, the Lord, God is my shepherd, that's me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm God in flesh. I'm God who cares for you. I have... Disciples who will follow me. I have believers who will believe in me. I'm going to shepherd them. I'm the good shepherd. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Translation for sheep. Feeding time. Green pastures. Let's eat. The buffet is open. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You want to fill up on all these other things. You want to fill up on all the stuff of the world. But guess what? I'm the bread of life, he says. If you want to truly, finally be satisfied, get to know me. I'm the bread of life. The verse continues in verse 2. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. Jesus provides the living water. He met a woman at a well who was the outcast in her community, and he offered her unconditional love and acceptance. And he said, I have the living water to offer you. He said, sir, give me this water. And he goes, the one you're talking to, I'm he. He stood up at a festival in in Jewish tradition. He goes, anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. Streams of living water are going to flow out of you. Verse 3, he refreshes my soul. My soul. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, and you will find strength for your soul. Verse 3 continues, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Jesus says in John 14, I'm the way. David says, God guides me along the right path. He shows me the right choices, the right way. And Jesus comes along and he goes, yeah, I'm the way. You want to know God's will for your life, follow my teachings, know what I had to say in the Gospels, engage with the Scriptures because I'm the way. You can search for it anywhere you want, Jesus says, in the world. But guess what? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Verse 4 continues, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. When you're in that dark place, I'm there. Even the shadow of death. And our family, you know, Kathy's mom passed away recently, unexpectedly. And thank you, by the way, for your prayers and for your support. We feel that. Thank you. And in that darkness, in that death, in that reality, gathering with family recently, we heard the whispers of God, the Holy Spirit, just just reminding us, I'm the light of the world. I'm I'm here in this dark place with you. I'm I'm the good shepherd. I'm right there. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Verse 6, surely your goodness and love will follow me, or even in the Hebrew, pursue me. I like that better. Your love and goodness are going to track me down, God. Even when I'm not looking for you, even when I'm not searching for you, you're searching for me. You're going to pursue me with that all the days of my life. So verse 6, your love will follow me. And Jesus says, I came to seek the lost. That's why I came, Jesus said. I didn't come for righteous people. I came for sinners. I came to find people who have drifted away from their creator. I came to to call people back to faith. I came to seek lost people. And finally, verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we're reminded in the gospel, in the gospels, Jesus' words where he says, for God. So loved the world he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Eternal life. The connections between the pen of David in this psalm and the words of Jesus are so profound and powerful. And to know the Lord in that intimate way like David and to hear Jesus echoing the words as he walked the earth, as he taught us and as he provides his instruction in these words for us in the scriptures is to, is to embrace that first step in all relationships to say, yeah, I want that. I want to know my creator in that way. And if I do, that's going to spill over into the lives of those around me and my relationships with them. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says, Seek first first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything else will fall into place. Step one of the recipe for better relationships is seeking God's will first. Seeking the kingdom first. Then everything else will fall into place. But you have to know the Lord. There was a Shakespearean actor who did a one-act play uh, wherever he went. And he'd fill up the auditoriums and he would all recite the classics and he'd always end his performance by reciting Psalm 23 and he would get up and he would begin in the darkness with the spotlight on the stage alone in front of the curtain and he would stand there and he would say the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want and he'd go on and he'd go through verse by verse and in a profound and theatrical way and it would always end with this rising thunderous applause from the from the crowd and one night as he's getting ready to end, as he always did with the, with the 23rd Psalm, third row, a young guy raises his hand. He goes, excuse me, sir, could I recite the 23rd Psalm? And the actor is taken a little bit aback and he's like, well, this is kind of my, my thing. But he's like, okay, come on up here. Because really he's thinking, yeah, you can't do it as good as I do. Come on up. So the young man comes up, and he turns around to the audience, and he begins with just this quiet, meek little voice, and he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he goes through all six verses. And there's no thunderous applause, there's no standing ovation. But in the midst of that silence, there's sniffling. Because the sniffling is accompanying not a dry eye in the theater. And tears are coming down faces. And the actor turns to the young guy and he says, how did you do that? I've, I've been doing this for years. I've never been able to move an audience like that. How did you do that? And the young man looks at the actor and he goes, you know the song. I know the shepherd. Atheists can quote scripture." but when we know the Lord like David knew the Lord, and when we know the good shepherd Jesus in the way that God wants us to know him, then all of our other relationships are enhanced. When we're filled with that forgiveness and grace and love and mercy and hope of God and our relationship with him through Jesus Christ, we can't help but then let that spill over into the lives of those around us. And to close, I want to turn to the back of Matthew 28, 18. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus is on the other side of the Easter tomb. He's gathering with his closest friends, his disciples. He's got parting words to say to them. And he gathers them in 28, verse 18, and he says this. Jesus is gathering with his closest friends and he's saying, we've had this intimate relationship for three years and now I'm sending you out to spill that love over into the lives of those around you. Because when we have that relationship with the Lord, it spills over into the other relationships. It's like a glass being filled to the full with water. And when we have that fullness of that relationship with God, then the water spills over and it just finds its way into the other relationships in our lives. I want to encourage you this morning. Encourage you this morning. Because everyone in this room, including the one speaking, has experienced a broken relationship at some level in life. But today, to encourage you, to know there's new hope for you, there's new life for you, there is a new opportunity, there are new relationships right around the corner, but the first step in any of those will be to know the Lord Deeper and wider than we do right now. I'm going to do something that's a little dangerous. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And hear the words of this psalm again. Seeking by faith to know the one King David was writing about. Hear these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk In the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, you call us to be in relationship with you by faith through your Son, Jesus, empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, we give you thanks and praise for that call to relationship with you. May we be meditating in the days ahead on the words of this psalm and the words of your son Jesus who echo every verse. And may we deepen our relationship with you so that the relationships in our lives can be better, can be deeper, can be more rich and more wonderful. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for a love that is unconditional and fuels us forward in the lives that relate to those closest to us. Help us, Lord, to be selfless. Help us, Lord, to notice the people around us in life. And help us to make Our top priority relationship, our relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, amen.